Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome to or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. What a week, guys. What a week. This weather... This is go outside and work in the garden weather. Sunny. Most of us got rain. There should be moisture in the soil. Dug out a plant in one part of my garden, one part of my property yesterday, and almost didn't get my shovel back. The plant was growing in a place that was just nothing but clay. And you'd stick a shovel in there. And it's like, ah, forget that. You're you're not getting that back. It was really hard to get it out of the clay. But we managed. Put it in some place that drains much better. Fortunately, it was nice weather. Didn't have to overwork too much. Um Got a good transplant there going. Really, really hoping, hoping that it's going to get started and do well. Because I transplanted a fig, more than likely I won't see growth this year. I mean, I'm not going to see figs this year. I had to cut some roots to get it out of the ground. Going to have to get it to put new roots on. It's going to take some time to do that. So probably not going to get figs off of it. That's okay. I moved it with the idea that it will produce, and I'll just get to enjoy them later. So let's see. What do we got going on here? Okay, caught up on most of the text messages here. So let's talk about uh, what we're looking at here. Remember, we're still short of rain, all right? So water correctly, cooler weather means we don't have as much evaporation or as much stress on our plants, but we haven't had a lot of rain. I mean, yeah, we had, I had four inches of rain two weeks ago. So yes, we're getting that, but we're still behind. The drought outlook is better, better, but not real good yet. Let's go to the phone. This is Karen. Karen, what can I help you with? Hey, Jeff. I wanted to tell your listeners about a free daylily workshop that's taking place over at Zilka Botanical Gardens at 11 o'clock and invite them to come over. Is that 11 o'clock today? Uh, 11 o'clock today, yes. We weren't sure if we'd be able to do it because rain was forecast, but now it's a beautiful, clear day. And 11 o'clock, we'll have the woman who knows everything about daylilies there talking about 
how to plant them, how to propagate them, and she'll have some free daylilies to give away. And uh, you just need to pay your admission to the garden, and if you're a member of the Conservancy, you know you get into the garden free. And it's going to be a really, really good uh, one-hour workshop, and hopefully people can come and get outside and get into the garden. You guys got lucky with some gorgeous weather for today, so uh, might as well put it to good use. And, I know, uh, all week it was saying rain, and now here it's not rain, it's going to be beautiful, so we're going to do it. You bet. Uh, folks, There's daylilies are one of the most industrious plants. They are beautiful blooms. They're super strong here. Um, they can colonize just fine <clears throat> and give you a big patch of them. My only problem with the daylilies, Karen, <coughs> excuse me, is that my rabbits have this thing about daylily flowers. So all the wild rabbits want to eat the flower blossoms, and they wait till just before they're going to open. So I never even get to enjoy them. But I'm working on that. I'll get those critters controlled. Well, what I didn't so, know is that I all of my daylilies are orange and yellow. And then I went to a workshop with this woman and saw that they also come in reds and purples. And I got yes. a couple of, of from her, and the daylilies that she's going to have to give away are cultivars that have been in Zilka Botanical Garden, and they're in the process of moving the daylily bed from one spot to another. And the daylilies have these amazing names like Ostasy the Wizard or Brooklyn Twister, so it's going to be a lot uh-huh. of fun, and, and no rabbits will be there today, I promise. <laughs> well, that sounds Thanks, great, Kigurin. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, folks, there you go. Daylilies do great in Texas. Let's go to the phone. This is Andy. Andy, what can I help you with? Whoops, Andy, we lost you. Sorry about that. Listen, I've been seeing a text, and Andy looked like he wanted to talk about corn gluten. Where can you get corn gluten has been a theme here. Um. Believe it or not, you can check your local Ace Hardware store. I got uh, sulfur from them. You can check your local independent nurseries to see if they have corn gluten. Tractor Supply, I've gotten corn gluten from them also. Callahan's and any other feed store because corn gluten is a feed also. Corn gluten is a, a good feed for animals, but if you're looking for corn gluten for the weed control, those are places you can get it at. Callahan's, Tractor Supply, local independent nurseries, um, they, they should have it. So give those guys a call and see if they carry it. Um, I try to check first, like some of them, the bigger stores you can check online and they'll tell you whether they have it. Otherwise, I sometimes gotta make a phone call so I don't drive out just to be disappointed that they don't have any. 
Um, now is not a bad time to be looking at putting down corn gluten. This is probably a good time, actually. There's moisture in the soil, which will help the corn gluten stick to the ground. It's not going to blow everywhere. It'll start its decomposition process, and that's when it creates the chemicals that prevent weed seeds from germinating. Remember, corn gluten will give you six to eight weeks of control. That means if you're using corn gluten, you better not put down any seeds if you put down corn gluten because it'll prevent those seeds from germinating. If you put seeds down, once the seed does germinate, once it actually starts its growth, the corn gluten will not affect it. Corn gluten first, then the seeds. That's the easiest and safest way to get the most out of it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Listen, folks, someone just texted me that they had gone to Callahan's or called Callahan's looking for corn gluten. And they were told that Callahan's doesn't carry that anymore. So take that with a grain of salt, save yourself a trip. I thought they did, they used to, but according to uh, the person who texts me, they don't anymore. Let's go to the phone. This is Marshall. Marshall, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Uh in regards to corn gluten, I went and bought me a bag uh, this past week, and I want to put it out. Uh, I guess it's a good time to do it now. My question now is that I've got a lot of some uh, like dead grass on top, or uh, and I guess uh, and also some a lot of quite a bit of leaf. Would it be a good idea to lightly break break that up before I put down the corn gluten so it gets down the down to the to the soil? Um. Yes, but what happens with the corn gluten is it breaks down. So when you water, when it rains, um, when we get a lot of fog, it breaks down the corn gluten and it leaches its way through whatever it's laying on to get down to the soil on its own. Raking, cleaning some of that up, making it so you can get the corn gluten closer to the ground in the first place, Good idea. But it will wind up getting down there anyway on its own because it's going to kind of melt into the soil. And that way it can drain through whatever whatever leaf litter is on top of the ground. So kind of up to you as to whether or not you want to do that. Okay, I guess that depends on how, how eager I am to put it down and uh, how much effort I want to put into it. Okay. Exactly Jeff, right. You know. Exactly right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Marshall. 
Yeah, that is something that you can consider. The closer to the soil you can put things like corn gluten, well, the better it's going to be. But it doesn't mean that you have to <clears throat> rake the ground clean so that there's no weeds on it, no dead grass, no leaves. Because what happens is that will break down. As it breaks down, the chemicals that do the work of stopping the weed seed, they're going to liquefy. And they're going to drain with the rain into that soil. So removing them, if you can simply rake or clean it up a little bit, so that you're applying the corn gluten directly to the soil, that's good. That's good. But you don't have to. You do not have to do that. The corn gluten will break down. The chemicals it creates will be released into the soil when it rains, when it leaches through the water, when it drains into it. So it's up to you as to whether or not you want to do that. Now, I happen to have, oh, I know a lot of people hate these things. I happen to have a battery-powered blower. I did not get it for blowing off weeds or things like that, but those things can help move your uh, nasty grass, the leaves, etc., off of your soil for a whole lot less work than trying to rake them. I know that people hate the sound of them. I only use mine infrequently, and I didn't buy it to blow the leaves away. I have um, a table saw, and I have a, uh, a miter saw, and I take them outside to use them. I use the leaf blower to blow all the dust off of them to keep them clean. Works pretty good, actually. Works pretty good. I just so happen purchase that reason. On a rare occasion, there'll be a lot of leaves or something across the driveway. Yeah, I'll take it out and I'll blow them off. Or I will emote and a lot of the grass will have fallen on the driveway or sidewalk. It does get rid of that for me. But that's not the only use for those things. Keep that in mind. They can help clean up a mess. Yeah, they're loud. Um, that happens. Let's see here. <laughs> I had folks sending me rabbit recipes, uh, awesome pepper. As a solution to my rabbit problem, yeah, no thanks. No thanks. I was uh, raised in the Midwest as a kid and went rabbit hunting many times. Didn't like rabbit enough to, to tolerate having to clean rabbit. So, oh well. Let's see. 
Oh, uh, somebody's telling me uh, that the feed stores, the feed stores in Giddings and Carmine, they carry corn gluten. Now, somebody's asking the best way to apply corn gluten. I have a drop spreader. I got to push it, but it works well. You can get one of those little handheld whirlybird ones. You know, you you fill it with a pound or so of corn gluten and you turn the crank and it spreads it out. You can barehand it if you want. It's not going to hurt you. You can do the feeding chickens routine where you act like you're uh, distributing scratch for the birds. Trying to get it spread evenly is the big deal. To get your most out of the corn gluten, spreading it really evenly, make sure that you don't build up piles of it in one little spot when it really could have covered a lot more ground. But uh, you can you can use your bare hands. You can use little handheld spreaders or your lawn spreader ones. That will work fine to get it spread. Try that. It's an easy process. And uh, you can get things taken care of pretty easily. Let's go to the phone. This is John. John, what can I help you with? Hi, yeah, thanks for taking my call. I, I've got some property out here in the country. And last year I went through and, and cleared out a bunch of cedar brush that was under some hard, hardwood trees like live oak, mainly live oak, but cedar elms and um, some blackjack oaks and some others. Just cleared them out. Well, <clears throat> it's the, kind of the anniversary of that ice storm that we had last year, and it came through, and those those live oak trees grow up through the cedar, so they were tall, and uh, the canopy was way up high. So a lot of them broke, you know, main branches or trunks. Uh, some of them, though, the ones that I'm calling about, are just kind of bent over, or they're they're upright, but you can see where the trunk or the or the large limb had bent to the point where it burst or cracked. Um, they still have, you know, have leaves and they look healthy in the canopy. But I'm wondering if if uh, you know if I need to cut those or trim them back to prevent any disease or things like that in that section that's kind of burst. Do you have oak wilt in your area? No. No, I that don't. And, uh, that's, you know, that's one of my concerns is having a beetle well, or something carry some into this. Because if you don't have it in your area, that means you don't have to be so urgent to trim uh -huh. up those trees. I would look at trimming them more for keeping them healthy. Broken branches are never a good situation. Um, you can cut those out just to so you don't have this big open wound anymore. Trim them right. and, and paint them. So that helps protect them. But with no oak wilt in your area, your risk is pretty low. 
So as soon as you can get to them, best idea. Uh, John, I'm up against the news. I will uh, catch you all on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Okay, folks, we got a really interesting text question here, and this is kind of hard to explain. Okay, so I'm going to do my best. I had mentioned that you prune pump pomegranates how do you do prune pomegranates though one of the things that you want is you want a relatively equal blend of one through five year old shoots pomegranates really aren't a tree they're a shrub so you're going to see all these shoots coming up. You want a fairly even mix, ones that are new this year and ones that are up to about five years old. <clears throat> if they're older than that, you can cut them flush at the ground and get rid of these old shoots. You're keeping good, fresh wood on the plant to help it produce flowers and fruit for you. So you you don't need to go out there and put a tag on every shoot that comes up. You're going to be able to get a kind of a view of it. You want to keep some new shoots and you want to keep some of the older shoots. But they'll reach a certain age where they're not going to be productive much anymore. They're just going to be tall and leafy and not produce many blooms. Those you can cut out. And remember, good, sharp tools. Cut as flush as you can to the ground to get that out of the core of the shrub. And then leave it be. Next year, you'll come in and you will go, wow, last year that was, you know, that was a five-year-old shoot. I'm going to get rid of it this year. And keep it thinned that way. You're not really shaping or trimming them. You're thinning them. You're trying to keep the best new wood growing in the pomegranates. And hopefully they'll continue to bloom and flower for you frequently. And you'll get the best return, the best return on your palms. Now, Pomegranates are really unpredictable. And by that, I mean they can take more than five years to finally flower and fruit. And I have five different types of pomegranates. And I'm sure there are five more that I don't have that grow here in Central Texas. 
There are pomegranates with dark blood red interiors. There are white pomegranates. When you peel them back and you look at all those arrows, that's what the seeds with the uh, fluid sac uh, around them are. They're called arrows. The part you eat, there are ones that are crystal clear. There are clear pomegranates. It was really funny because someone came in one day with one of these fruits and said that the pomegranate was on the property when they moved in. They picked the fruit and they said something's wrong with it. So we opened the fruit there and it was a white pomegranate. Quite tasty, very sweet, just as productive as the red ones, uh, the blood red ones, the purple ones. So there's a lot of variety in pomegranates. Unfortunately, some of them can take quite a while to finally put on blooms. That's frustrating. Um, the nice thing about them is that the blooms are beautiful. It, it, it's a, a very unique color in the palette of flowers that we have here in Texas. It's this reddish orange flower and uh, pomegranates really can have a lot of them. So something we're trying to plant, if you've got a spot where you can put them, uh even if you don't even if you don't eat the fruit that's part of the thing about dwarf pomegranates sometimes the dwarf pomegranates are planted solely for the flowers they don't make a very good edible fruit but they do a good job of blooming and like i said it's a unique color and a gorgeous looking plant. So pomegranates are a plus around here. They are relatively cold tolerant. I did not lose any of mine during the freeze-pocalypse. And the ice storm, well, the ice storm did knock one over, but it's still growing, which reminds me that I got a clean it up because I can't mow around it. It's, it's like it fell over. But it survived the freeze-pocalypse. They are fairly drought tolerant. They must be <clears throat> because I don't water mine. It's rain or nothing. Now, they're on the downhill side of a slope, so a little bit of rain hangs around for a long time for them. But they they will do well here in Central Texas. They can be quite tasty. Pomegranates are, are really delicious. Speaking of them, if you peel a pomegranate, get a bowl, fill it with water, and hold the pomegranate underwater, the nasty stuff will float away, and you can scrape that off the top of the water. But all the arrows will be in the bowl. Pour it into a strainer, rinse them all off. What do you do with them? Well, 
uh, we used to put them on salads. You'd have a salad, you'd sprinkle a whole bunch of those on, great taste, great taste. But you can also take a cookie sheet, put uh, <clears throat> parchment paper on it, spread the arrows out over it, and flash freeze them all. Individual frozen arrows. Stuff them into a bag and keep it in the freezer, and that way you'll always have some available. They're, they're, they're a pretty good utility plant around here, um, considering all that they give you. Let's see. Speaking of seeds, arrows are the seeds of a pomegranate. Yes, you may plant one, and yes, it will grow up and become a pomegranate. The problem is it can take it 10 to 15 years before it'll flower and fruit. When you purchase a pomegranate that's already growing from a nursery, it's got much of that time already gone and can flower earlier. Let's go to the phone, this is Andy. Andy, what can I help you with? Hey. Thank you. You're always so helpful. Um, I have a garden about the size of a half a tennis court, and I've been doing it for since 1980. I got a brother that got sick, so I was taking care of him, so I haven't touched it for three years. I've kept it weed-eated down, so uh, I always till. You know, people don't like that, but I till it. Can I go ahead and till it and then throw, throw corn gluten down, and maybe that'll help me with uh, the weeds? or is it too late? No, Andy, that's not a bad thing to do. When you till it, you're turning up the soil where a lot of those weed seeds are laying hidden. That's a problem with tilling. But if you till it and then turn around and spread the corn gluten on it, that should help get rid of many of those weeds for you. It should greatly reduce it, and you won't have as much to have to fight to get it back into the condition you want it in. Um, so, so like half the size of a tennis court, I uh, uh, was never good in math. So would it be like a 50-pound sack, and where would I get that from uh, or something? Okay. Please. We used to sell... 40-pound sacks. I think that was the consumer-sized bag of it. And the 40 pounds was enough to cover 2,000 square feet. Wow, okay. If you could do the math on, you know, how many square feet of garden do you have, you may get by with one bag. I don't know what the sizes of your garden actually are. But about 2,000 square feet for a 40-pound bag is a good application for it. Uh, so I'm I live in Southeast Austin. Would I need to go to like uh, Callahan's or the Natural Gardener, or uh, would they have it? Callahan's no longer carries it. Someone just texted us that earlier to let us know a feed store. 
tractor supply can carry it. Um, the natural gardener can carry it. Local independent nurseries are places you can usually find it. All right. Oh, hey, thank you. Uh, but, um, yeah, by the way, if you can't find it, you can get it on Amazon. Not where oh. I normally want to go to, but you can get it on Amazon, too. Yes, sir. I've been trying to support locally. Uh, Callahan's, I was just out there and met Mike. He's 82, works there three times a week, and it's kind of a shame the way uh, that old school type of business is being herbicized. Um, but I really appreciate your show, sir, and thank you for your good attitude. You bet. Thanks for the phone call, Andy. Folks, i got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Um, I've got I've got people texting me saying that they found corn gluten at the Great Outdoors on South Congress. Um, so there's another location where you may be able to find it. You know, um, the, the constant call of, can I go out and trim stuff back? You can, you can. The weather's beautiful. The weather is fantastic this week. So this is not a bad time at all if you want to go out and do that. Just remember, you don't have to do that. It would be okay if you want to. You just can't take the look of the plants anymore. Then don't. This is a good time you can get stuff trimmed back. And you know, we had that freeze what was it, 10 days ago? And a lot of plants will show you, hey, I froze. You'll know who to cut back and who to clean up. But you don't have to hurry with it. All right? You know, I keep emphasizing there is so much wildlife and they live in that habitat in dead plants. Whether it's a bird or a rabbit or um, butterflies, beneficial insects, they're all out there. And trimming everything up, wow, your lawn's going to look nice and neat. But you just took away all their homes. And the beneficial insects are really super important. They keep your property bug-free. They keep the bad guys in check so that you're not having to deal with them and winding up having to treat or spray or whatever to get things going. It is going to be such a nice week. Tomorrow is going to be windy. Okay, we've got some wind coming up. But it's going to be stellar weather. This is go for a walk week. Go outside and take in some sun, take in some fresh air. Just go and enjoy it. 
You don't have to make this urgent commitment to cleaning up your garden or your landscape today. By, by being labor efficient, people say lazy. What a silly word. You're labor efficient. You actually are giving the environment an opportunity to heal itself, to get those good bugs in there, to provide homes for the beauty of the butterflies that we have. A lot of butterflies created uh, a chrysalis and they overwinter in it. They won't show up until we get good warm weather. If you're out there cutting down where they're hiding, if you're cutting down all of these this brush and things like that, well, you're getting rid of them. No need to go crazy. And today's the first sunny day, so I got to run out there and trim everything back. No, you don't. You can, but you don't have to. You actually come out ahead by letting Mother Nature just do her thing for a while. Now, is there anything that you have to do? This isn't a bad time to be seeding more more beets, carrots, uh, kohlrabi, spinach, lettuce, broccoli, cabbage, kale, cauliflower. You can be putting those out in your garden now by seed. They'll do just fine and you'll get another crop of them. So that's something if you want to be doing work out in the garden. And speaking of seeds, uh, James called earlier and we were talking about peppers. My started seeds, my, my wife's started seeds are doing fantastic. When you get a package of seeds, from the day you get them, they start to age. And the way seeds age are like this. You'll get a package of seeds and they'll say they get 90% germination rate. You plant 10 seeds and we pretty much guarantee nine of them are going to come up. Well, let's say you got that package last year. This year, you may be down to 80% germination. And each year, fewer and fewer of those seeds are going to germinate, even if you keep them under perfect conditions. And some seeds can go 10 years and still have great germination. Some seeds will only go one year. But even old seeds, I'll give you an example. I have sun gold seeds. They are three years old. Three years in a package in a drawer. We planted 10 of them, and 10 of them came up. Pretty good. 
Peppers, three-year-old Peppers. Got nine out of ten on that one. Some of my older seeds, I wound up with um, about 60% germination. Well, I happen to have more seeds available, so I'm sticking seeds in the ones that didn't come up. Now, I've also found out we planted Aunt Molly's ground cherry, which is a great plant. It really, truly is. But it takes a long time to germinate, three weeks before we may see any germination and be able to start growing that plant so we can plant it this spring. But it only costs me time. Right now I have all the tomatoes I want and extras that's gonna go to family and friends. More than enough peppers that I want, same thing. They're going to go to family and friends. Still don't have any ground cherries. Waiting on those, and I'm hoping that they will be at least as productive as my tomatoes. If they are, some are going to family and friends and will get to enjoy them. That's the advantage of doing your own seeds. It is not too late to be starting your own seeds for this spring. Even tomatoes, peppers, squashes, um, eggplant. You can still get your tomatoes in. Uh, there are other plants like, for example, green beans whether they're pole or bush type, those are best direct planted. You don't start those in a seed tray. They're not fans of being transplanted. You want to plant those directly in the soil. And someone called and asked, geez, is it the right time of year to be doing bush beans right now? or pole beans, don't know. This weather would normally be great conditions for planting beans or peas. But we don't know what's gonna happen in two weeks. Remember, February can be the monster month here in Central Texas. The coldest, iciest month. Two weeks from now, who knows what we're going to get. But that's why we garden, because we take the chance and see what we can turn out into our environment. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, coming up on the top of the hour, breaking for the news. I will catch you all tomorrow at 8 a.m.